2: Like our changing world. Nga mihi nui and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko Allison Balance Tene. Last week on the show we were out and about radio tracking city rats in Wellington to find out how big their home ranges are. That project involves a neighbourhood where individual households are part of a growing trend for backyard trapping. At the other end of the scale, when it comes to predator control, is the ambitious nationwide goal to make the whole of New Zealand predator free by 2050. And in the middle, in terms of scale, there is predator free Wellington, which plans to make Wellington the world's first predator free capital city. New Zealanders are now very good at getting rid of rats and stoats on uninhabited islands. Australia's Lord Howe Island has just tackled the rather more complex issue of a rodent eradication on a big inhabited island with a few hundred residents. But getting rid of them in a complicated urban environment that is home to hundreds of thousands of people is a challenge of an entirely new order of magnitude. Things are already underway though, so I'm off to Miramar Peninsula Better known as the home of Weta Workshop and Peter Jackson's movie Empire, to meet John Hambidge. John is running things on the ground for Predator Free Wellington.
1: So our project is to get the invasive predators, meaning rats, possums, stoats, weasels, down to zero. So we're starting with the Miramar Peninsula. It's a 10-year plan to spread across Wellington City. So for
2: people who don't live in Wellington, who might not know Miramar Peninsula, what are we dealing with?
1: Well, exactly what it says, the peninsula, it's a great testing ground for us because it's very defendable. So it's a perfect sort of area to test our methodology and and how we're going about it. We've got a large coastal area, um, we have bush reserves here, and we have a large residential and commercial area.
2: So Miramar must be an interesting place to work. It's quite a varied area.
1: That's right, yeah. yeah. So Miramar, the whole peninsula has got the the richest and the poorest suburbs in uh, Wellington City. So we see a full spectrum of environments and different sort of socio-economic areas, which has its own challenges. So I think today you're going to go out and have a look at some areas where we've um, historically had quite a lot of um, refuse in the bush and that creates havens for rats and often food sources. So we've been working with the community to, to get those areas cleaned up. So that's another part of some of the work we've done. We've done community cleanups and we've helped residents get rid of stuff that mutually benefits both of us.
2: Gosh, there's a lot of aspects to this, isn't there?
1: Sure is, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: It's about wrangling people, not just wrangling rats and yeah. stoats and
1: weasels. That's right. We have a very large migrant community as well in some areas. So there's language issues and cultural issues. So some people we can sell them on the, uh, the ecological benefits of what we're doing and other people that, that's a very, very low priority for them so, and they don't understand the concept of eradicating rats. Uh, so planning to get us up to this stage, we've had to take all those sorts of things into consideration and adjust our strategy.
2: So how long has this project been running?
1: Predator-free Wellington and planning for Miramar has been in the planning stage for about two, two and a half years. But the the actual practical side of it has started at the start of this year. So we had a a team of uh, three individuals who needed to come out and get permissions and engage with the community um, to set our predator control devices on their properties. So that was a big challenge. That took us about six months to get around all the places we needed to. So that was absolutely critical for what we needed to achieve here because this stuff's never been done in the world. It's a, it's a complete world first of doing something on this scale in a capital city and getting down to zero predators.
2: So what has the response of the local residents been to this plan?
3: My name's Emma Rao and I'm a community engagement and field officer.
4: And my name is Joachim. I'm also a community engagement and field officer.
3: So we both started back in January, and our role's been largely community engagement, so physically going and speaking to all the landowners for where we're going to put our devices. So you've been knocking on a lot of doors?
4: Yes, a lot of doors, and also a lot of business areas around here as well, because there's both urban and commercial areas around here, making sure everybody's on the same page.
2: So you work in a local restoration group, so I imagine that the people who are already involved in your project are pretty keen about this.
4: Oh, yes. There's a lot of keen people around here. We've encountered very few people who are kind of not so keen, maybe. But, Mm. yeah, a lot of people here are really happy with with, with what is ongoing.
2: So what do people say? Why, Why are they keen about it?
3: I think the community backyard trapping thing has really got the ball rolling for us and made it an easy job. People just are loving having the tui back and all the other native wildlife. Yeah, a lot of people have things like geckos living in their sheds and they've gradually seen them disappearing over the last few years and that seems to be the main motivator for people is, is protecting the native wildlife. But there's also a lot of people out there who just don't like having rats around their house and around their garden so that's been the other probably big motivator I think for people. Yeah.
2: Have you come across some people though who are dead against it?
4: Um, not that against it maybe, but uh, there's a few people who might not be as well informed on knowing the impact that rats actually do on our native wildlife as well. So there's a few things like that. Even a few people I've come across who didn't know that rats were actually non-native, that they thought that they were part of the native ecosystems around here.
3: I think we had about 99% approval from people, so it's a very small proportion that didn't um, want a device on their property, but I found the main reason was actually privacy. They just didn't want us coming into their property once a week to check a trap and that's totally fair enough as well Yeah.
2: So what are you doing now in terms of telling people about how the project's going?
3: Our Facebook page, social media's been a big one to keep people updated and we've got some cool graphics and maps going up there um, to keep people in the loop and just meeting people on the street, um, we bump into people all the time who want to know how it's going and they'll ask us questions so that's been a good one as well, just being on the ground and having so many people on the ground as well
4: Yeah and people recognise us as well, which is pretty cool. Even not just at the street, I've been at the gym, outside work, and people come up and ask me how things are going, what you know, and if we're achieving the goals and all that stuff. So, it's, yeah, it's really exciting. Since June, we've been in the actual control
1: phase of setting our bait stations out and setting our traps, and now we're just coming into quite an exciting phase of the project. So you've joined us at a, a good time. You'll go and have a look in, in some people's properties and uh, having a look to see what's in our traps and bait stations. Hopefully no bait's been taken and no traps have, have caught any animals because we're, we're down now to chasing down our last survivors. So a negative is, is actually a positive for us. So if we don't catch something, that's actually a good thing in a sense.
2: So just as I'm on the way out the door, we've stopped in the ante room where everyone gets ready to go out into the field and you've got a freezer there.
1: Yeah, it's a pretty morbid sort of freezer. Greater Wellington Regional Council does quite a lot of rabbit control around the region. The rabbit doesn't go to waste. It generally gets cut up and used in the traps for the mustelids. So you can see buckets and buckets here of um, chopped up pieces of rabbit, which is great, but it's pretty vile when the guys are using it. And once you've touched the fresh rabbit on your hand, it's very hard to get the smell off. So we've got rabbit in here. Sooner or later, we're going to be moving to this stuff here, which is dehydrated rabbit, so it's a bit nicer to handle. kind of looks like a, a grotesque bar of chocolate or something. It's pretty, pretty pretty, disgusting. But those stoats, they love it, huh? Stoats love it. And the other thing we've got in this freezer are piles of dead things, so rats. There you go. Here's a, here's a rat here. This is a ship rat. So we keep these um, whenever Why we find them. Why are you keeping them? A couple of reasons... Um, Whenever we find a carcass, we remove it because we want the least amount of toxin to end up in the environment. So anything we find, we collect and we dispose of appropriately. If any of the um, backyard trappers catch a rat, we'd like to have the rat to see what what it died of or, or whether it had a lethal dose of our bait in its system. If we get them in and they've been caught by a backyard trap and we cut them open and there's no bait inside it, then we look at the area where it's come from, and we have to think: well, why has it not encountered one of our devices? Why doesn't it have any of the uh, the toxin in its system? So then we'll assess where it's come from and decide whether we need to put any more sort of infrastructure around that area.
2: What's the spacing of your traps and your bait stations?
1: The bait stations are on a 50 metre by 50 metre grid. That was chosen because it's the best guess we've got of uh, minimum home range of a female rat. And a 100-metre grid is what we work on with our our stoat traps. The traps out there will catch rats, but they're primarily there for the purposes of getting stoats and weasels. And again, that's based on the minimum home range of a female uh, weasel. This is our first week of activating them. So next week it will be quite exciting to see what we find in them.
2: All up, how many traps, how many bait stations?
1: It's somewhere in the region of... 1,800 traps on the peninsula and bait stations somewhere in the region of 4,000. We did a lot of work with the community around education, you know, kids, and also um, quite a lot of work with dog owners as well about keeping dogs safe. And we also put a very small amount of toxin in each one for a couple of reasons. One, so we can track how much bait has gone. But also doesn't actually take a lot of bait to knock over a rat, and we're also going there once a week as well, so um, it doesn't need to be a large quantity.
2: It's time to head out with one of the field teams to find out what this all means on the ground.
5: My name is David, and I'm a field operator here for Predator Free Wellington, and yeah, I'm pretty much my job is. of it is going around and servicing traps and bait stations around the peninsula, and we do that um, once a week, so we service every station once a week. So you've Mm. got your phone in hand with an app on it? Yes, I have. This is Trap NZ, um, and this shows me all the locations of all our traps and bait stations. So the, the triangles, that's a bait station, and then when you have a cluster like this, that represents a bait station and a trap attached to it. At the moment they're all white, but when I... Um, service one and enter the data, it turns green to show that it's been serviced. So this
2: this one's easy, it's just on the side of the footpath. um,
5: very easy to
2: service, this one. (laughs) So it's a black plastic box, it says contains rat poison. Contains rat
5: poison, yep, this is um, (laughs) UB222. So we've cable tied it in, so it's secured because it's a very public space. So I just um, lock it. Initially we started with 100 grams of bait, but um, now... Um, since bait takes drop down a lot we just put 20 pellets in and so we can tell exactly if anything has taken the bait because I'll just count the pellets now um, so 1, 2, 3, 4 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 10, 11, 12 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 yeah. Uh, yeah. so we have 20 pellets so nothing has taken the bait but I'm just going to refresh it because it does look this is likely just invertebrates that have nibbled at it. Oh, um, oh I just saw something wriggle Yeah, there's a little, little bit. Millipede <laughs> yes. wobble away. You often find um, <laughs> some of the stations are, can be filled with snails and slugs. This isn't too bad, but um, I'm just going to replace it anyway to make, make it nice and clean. <laughs> yeah.
2: And so the fact that no bait's been taken, that's a good sign?
5: Um, it is, yeah, that's a really good sign. Yeah, we're hoping that that means there's nothing in the area that's come and um, yeah, nothing's eating our bait. So, yeah, we take that as... Uh, not many things around, <laughs> which is good.
2: <laughs> You've got quite a big backpack there full of bait. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, yeah.
5: Got um, yeah, bait in there, and um, our our rabbit for our traps, and our drills, and screws, and spear bait station in there if we need one. Um, yeah. So there's lots of stuff
4: in there. <laughs> and,
5: um, uh, one other thing that we've been doing, sort of over the last few weeks is um, we've been adding just a little blob of peanut butter outside each of the bait stations. and when we move into our detection phase, our detection devices which are like two cards and wax tags, um, they're filled with peanut butter and so we're pretty much by putting peanut butter outside the stations we're just getting them used to the taste of that peanut butter to give us the best chance of them interacting with those monitoring devices. Um, It's like giving
2: them free bath snacks, isn't
5: it? (laughs) It is almost, yeah. And saying that, if they've come outside our station, hopefully they're also taking our bait, um, so they won't be around too long. (laughs) So, yeah, That's that one all done, and I'll just enter the data. I just checked that all the settings are right. It's for rats. It's a pallet bait. um, We're using brodificum, and the concentration is 0.002. So that's all good, and so I can just hold save... And then it lights up green to tell me that it's been serviced. So yeah, so that's good.
2: <laughs> okay, one down. How many are you doing today?
5: It does range, but around 50 devices a day or 50 stations a day, yeah. Oh, this is Daryl, he's he's helping out with a few traps and stuff around. Hey Daryl, good to How's see you, mate. <laughs> How are you doing? Good, 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 and good.
0: I'm Alison. Hi. So, I'm checking my trap and oh, awesome. yeah, We had that. one at um, the old Miramar school. All yep. the way around. Most of them were still just n- little nibbles here and there. We got to right. one station, yep. Yep. completely empty. Oh, that's crazy.
2: <laughs> so you've been trapping around here for a while, Daryl?
0: I've been doing just like the backyard traps, but I've had about 10 to 14 of my own out there. And I've caught a few around here, Tanadice, Up Sidlaw and down at the community hall.
2: And so. has it changed since these guys started doing their work? Yeah.
0: I'm not catching anything. (laughs) And I like catching. (laughs) No, because I've caught close to 400 in the couple of years I've been doing it. And um, yeah, now it's just, for me, it's pointless because I go to check my traps and there's nothing there. Because all the bait stations are out there and everything, so I'm not catching anything.
2: Well, in terms of the project as a whole, that's great. I can see why you're getting frustrated. But there's suburbs just over there where they haven't got to yet. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> they could those, do with that's your help. where
0: I want to go, where we can catch something. But I'm hoping with the box traps, because like we started. the news fellas have started setting them up as of yeah. this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping when we start go out again on next week, that yeah. hopefully something will be in there. Yeah. That yeah. gives me raw, more reason to look in the boxes now. Yeah. To see if it's caught anything, and then I'll just beep it through. Yeah, yeah. Text absolutely. it through.
5: Yeah. No, that's
2: perfect.
0: So it's really good.
5: Yeah.
2: What motivated you to get going in the first place?
0: My house, well, I caught 26 in my house Then my neighbour saw me doing it And then that neighbour saw me doing it And then somebody else saw me doing it So they asked me if I can do their places in that as well And I've just grown from that It's
5: yeah,
0: just annoying for me, I'm not catching them And I like yeah. catching them <laughs> <laughs> Hey, well nice to meet you Yeah, nice to meet you too yeah
5: and it's just um this person's property just here I just um, knock on the door some of them have said it's fine for us to go in without knocking but if they haven't said that then we always knock just to be courteous and make sure they don't get a surprise when they see us coming into their backyard yeah yeah so I think this one should be all good we have had take here before um, so it'll be interesting to see if we do this time
2: <laughs> this is a garden that Turns into a jungle. It, it is, <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> <laughs> More Trader Scanty than you can check a n- stick it. I know, I
5: know, <laughs> yes, that's so true. It <laughs> seems like they really like these areas. These areas often get taken. This one actually has um, 100 grams in it, and that's because it would have, in a previous, uh, probably last week or the week before, it would have had a lot of take, so it would have been down to 20 pellets. We've moved it back up to 100 grams, because that shows there's rats in the area.
2: And you want to make sure there's bait for them to take?
5: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Alrighty. Next one. Yes, Next one. (laughs) So
2: back up the road. Yep, yeah,
5: back up the road. <laughs> it's a little bit of a walk down here. Just watch yourself. It's a little bit slippery and stuff down here. Um, yeah.
2: Yep. Another gully. And the neighbours chainsawing. Yep. Yeah. Cool, so we've got mud and honeysuckle oh, and yes, cape <laughs> ivy. Fantastic. I know. Fantastic.
5: Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> So
2: this is bait station and a trap yep, box?
5: bait station and a trap box um, together. The trap boxes have been here um, as long as the bait stations. It's just that we haven't set them. So this is our first week of setting the traps. They've been cable tied open and we've been baiting them. So it's, it's called pre-feeding really and it's getting them used to running in and out of the boxes because we've just been really trying to knock down the rat population with the bait. Otherwise you just end up catching... A whole lot of rats that have been poisoned already and are going to die so it's a waste of resources and I think also because if they find a food source they'll pass on that information to other, like other rats do you actually want the news to spread yeah exactly that's right yeah so <laughs> so yeah that's why we're just starting to set our traps now so, maybe. so
2: you're seeing quite a drop off on the amount of bait that's being taken
5: yeah we definitely have yeah um there's um, heat maps and stuff that have really shown like Oh, to begin with, the peninsula was like just gro- glowing red, but now it's really, really dropped down. And so you still get, there are still patches where we get bait take, but it's it's dropped down dramatically. Okay, you better do your job. Yes, absolutely. Cool. I might check the bait station first, just in case it has take. <laughs> nah, yeah. So there's still 20 remaining there, um, but it's still, it's quite soggy and stuff. So definitely going to replace it. So the
2: lid is screwed oh, down. The lid is screwed so-
5: down. Yep. Um. So yeah, we. Um, definitely they're pretty dangerous traps so they definitely have to be secured um secured and screwed down <laughs> um, we have two um, two traps in here um, they're dock 200 traps and they're um, kind of offset so one is facing one is on one side of the box and one is facing on the other side of the box um, we have our outside baffles and then we have our inside baffles so Um, These boxes, since we're working in urban environments, they've really been designed so that cats and dogs especially can't get their paws inside. Yeah, and so we've got fresh rabbit in the middle, which is our bait. And yeah, so I'll replace that today. At the moment, the plates are screwed down and the kill bar is cable tied open. And so we'll be taking the screws out and um, cutting off the cable ties and setting them for real this time. So... Being careful, you can like chuck something in there, so like something soft, like a glove, so it'll make a loud noise when I do this. But, um, yeah, just to set it, up. yeah, so it sets off. So I think that's all good, <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're all good to go. I can screw it back up.
2: <laughs> I leave David to get on with checking lots more bait stations and setting plenty more traps, and I head back to see John again he pulls up a couple of maps on his computer to show me how much bait was being taken at the beginning of the project compared to now.
1: So this is the program we use, TrapNZ, and it's available for free to lots of community trapping groups. But this is one of the functions we've got, which is heat mapping. So as you can see across here, this is where our, our bait take was really, really high. So
2: interestingly, a lot of that activity was around the coast.
1: A lot of Native bush around here and this is a large piece of um, bush that's on the end there.
2: It's very ratty.
1: Yeah, very ratty indeed, oh. yeah, yeah. Very little through this urban area here. So it's taught us a few things. We sort of were working on the assumption that rats will pretty much live anywhere, which I'm sure is true, but as soon as you get a little pocket of bush anywhere, you'll find rats. But quite often where there's none of that, you've just got the urban environment you get nothing.
2: Well that must be a particular challenge for Wellington because it's got lots of gullies and valleys and as I've just discovered patches of bush in places you don't even expect patches of bush.
1: That's right yeah and unfortunately some of these places have become sort of rubbish dumps for people as well so they even further create more havens and hidey holes for for rats to secrete themselves in. So that was peak rat so uh, what's changed? We're just seeing very small pockets now, so we're down to chasing the last survivors. So the last calculation I did, we we had uh, on our peak week versus our lowest take week, we've had about a 90% reduction in how much bait's been taken. So we're about where we thought we would be when we were planning this, which is great. We've just started setting our traps. A couple of reasons for that. The traps are there to catch stoats and weasels, um, so we don't want to clog them up with a load of rats. We don't want to catch rats that already have a lethal dose of the toxin in them uh, because the toxin really takes about a week to start acting on them. They won't see f- symptoms till about five or six days after they've eaten it. But when they've eaten that bait, we want them to be able to go back to um, to other rats and communicate where that food source is. So we do our knockdown of the rats and then we start opening the traps and see what else we can get.
2: So from here on in, you'll be expecting to possibly see stoats, weasels. And rats in your traps?
1: Yep, we should see all of those things. We're we're baiting it with the the fresh rabbit. That's really a a mustelid's food of choice because that's what they naturally hunt. The next phase will be moving into detection devices. We use chew cards. They're um, plastic devices that are impregnated with peanut butter. We'll put those around in as many locations as we can and then we'll analyse anything that's been biting it. So yeah, so we're tracking in the right direction, and uh, our target is still to be at zero by, by the end of the year.
2: Now tell me, how are you going to keep it rat and stout free?
1: In the isthmus, which is sort of the land bridge between the peninsula and, and, and the rest of Wellington, this is going to serve as a virtual barrier. So we, we can't put a big fence up across there. <clears throat> you've kind we... of got a fence there because you've got the airport. That's right, yeah, we do have that. And rats would generally not choose to run across the airport. Um, And we are looking at perhaps attaching some predator-proof fencing to some of the airport, but it won't be completely airtight. So it's going to have leaky ends? That's right, leaky ends. There's a pedestrian tunnel that goes through it uh, and another tunnel at the end. So we're currently eradicating this isthmus area and then we'll set up our virtual barrier. Essentially what that is is a, a very intense lines of um, predator control that we feel that, uh, an animal shouldn't be able to penetrate through. There will be incursions afterwards. There's no doubt about that. We will, they will find their way in. And at the moment we're designing what we call our biosecurity phase by leaving some of the devices in place, getting um, as many people in the community involved as we can in, in detecting And that's going to be a challenge as well, keeping people motivated, flipping it that a negative is actually a positive. So if you go out and there's nothing bitten your your detection device, then that's actually a good thing.
2: Thanks, John. That's John Hambidge, who's running the Predator-Free Miramar Project, which is the first stage of a wider Predator-Free Wellington project, which is in turn one of the first stages of Predator-Free New Zealand. Talk about Russian dolls. We also heard from Emma Rowell and Joachim Lyman, who work in community engagement, from David Lewis, who's part of the field team running bait stations and traps in residents' gardens, and from keen backyard trapper Daryl Wilson, who at this rate will have to start trapping in another part of Wellington as he's starting to run out of rats locally. If you'd like to listen to this story again, or check out the photos and maps, You'll find them on the Our Changing World webpage, rnz.co.nz slash Our Changing World. There are also links to the groups mentioned in this story, as well as previous Our Changing World stories on various predator-free topics, including last week's rat-tracking story. Stay in touch. We're on Facebook and Twitter as RNZ Science. Thanks for your company, but for now, it's goodnight from me, Alison Balance. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.